Okay, yes, and welcome back. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back to the Clark and Miller English Podcast. And if this is your first time, then just welcome. It's good to have you here. And uh, yep, we've got more and more people joining our lovely community every week or so. So welcome. It's nice to have you here. Okay, very quickly. Um... I won't say much at the beginning. I always say that, don't I? And then I end up talking for ages. But I'll try try properly today. Today we're going to talk about reading in English, which books you should choose to get better and which books are good for improving your English. And um, there is a quiz. We've introduced a quiz to the podcast. And the quiz is... Well, what happens if you win the quiz? Uh, well, if you win the quiz, you get a copy of our book... 102 little drawings that will help you remember English rules forever, probably. We called it that title so I don't have to explain what's in the book. The title says everything. So if you want to save yourself $10 and get a copy of that book, send me an email and answering this question. What book has really, really helped you learn English? I don't mean a course book or a textbook. I mean like like a novel or uh, a storybook or, or something that's not aimed at learning English. What book has really helped you with your English learning? And why? Why was it so helpful? So if you can answer that question, if, you have a, uh, if, you, if you're listening and you're, you're thinking, oh yeah, no, I read blah, 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 and it was so good because blah, 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 then... You should definitely send me an email. It's gabriel at clarkandmiller.com. Gabriel at clarkandmiller.com. Or hit, hit me up on Facebook and send me a message on the Clark and Miller page there. Which book has really helped you with your English learning? Why was it so useful? Let me know and we can share. We can all share and I can talk about it next episode. Okay, so yeah, like I said, today we're going to talk about... Uh, reading and good books and not really bad books that would be pretty pointless good books you know what we do talk about bad books we've got everything today good books and bad books for your english okay i'm gonna leave you to it here is future me talking about that cool here we go okay so i'm actually kind of standing up and doing this one uh, for a change because one, my chair is stupidly creaky, and two, it's good to get the blood flowing and the oxygen moving and your hips shaking and, you know, just sort of, yeah, just sort of being a bit more active and maybe thinking a bit more brightly as a result. Who knows? Anyway, today I want to talk about reading in English. What should I read in English? This is like such a classic question. I get it a lot. Uh, from all sorts of people. Um, and it's a good question because there are lots of different answers. <laughs> I mean, obviously, there are tons of answers in the world. There are lots and lots of books out there. But yeah, I mean, what's the best thing to read when you're learning a new language? Um, there are lots of ways you can approach this. And I want to talk about two things before we get started, two types of reading. Uh, basically, when you're learning a language, there are 
there's what we call intensive reading and what we call extensive reading. So, so intensive reading is when you read probably a, a small amount but you make a lot of notes, you're analysing it, you're probably reading it two or three times. It's the sort of reading you do when you when you have an English lesson and there's reading then, you know, you have to sort of answer questions and think about the text and learn a lot of stuff. And usually it's a little sort of difficult. There's also what we call extensive reading, and that is when you read for fun. So usually this sort of reading is easier than normal. This is quite easy for you, but as a result, you read more and more of it. And this is something I recommend for everyone. Most people, when they study and when they self do, do self study and, and and learn English and or any language, usually focus on intensive reading. They find stuff that's really difficult and challenge themselves, and and try to sort of analyze and read and reread. But that could be good, and I'm not saying <clears throat> I'm not saying that's bad, but it's no fun, is it? That's not fun. Why 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 would you would you do that in your own language? Would you find some impossible scientific sort of journal and, and then try to understand something really difficult? Like that's an in bed just before you go to sleep? No, I say no. Uh, so we're very good at seeking out intensive reading and that is very useful. But I think when you're learning a language, you should try to enjoy reading too. And you should try to increase the amount of reading. And the best way to do that is extensive reading. So I want you to think about this while we talk, while I talk about uh, book suggestions and things like that today, because um it's a good way of thinking about how to read and what to read in English. So yeah, let's let's get started on, I'm not going to talk about intensive and extensive reading. This is something that you just need to think about. And let's start talking about reading more generally. I want to ask you a couple of questions. Uh, how many books have you started reading in English? Okay, just give you a second to think about that. You don't have to be exact, you can just think about the answer. How many books have you started reading in English? And my next question is, how many books have you finished reading in English? I'm guessing that these numbers are not the same. When I lived in Turkey, um, it was very difficult to get hold of English language books. Uh, books are quite expensive in Turkey. Uh, so I used to get a lot of my books from some second-hand bookstores. And most of the books in the store were either bought by English learners or holiday makers. There were lots of what we call airport books in the, in the store. Lots of, like, I basically, when I lived in Turkey, I read a lot of um, romantic comedy books and stuff I would never normally choose just because I needed something to read and that's all the bookshops had. Um, but yeah, there were lots of books that had been bought by Turkish learners and used by Turkish learners. And there were lots of Turkish notes in the book, books that had clearly been used to study English with. And I noticed the very like detailed notes on the first page and the second page and even the third page. But by the third chapter, the notes had stopped. There was no more notes and writing in the in the book. The person who bought the book had clearly given up using the book to learn. 
This is probably a good example of intensive reading. A problem with intensive reading is that it can be demotivating. Demotivating. You, you, you just might not want to keep working so hard on reading and not enjoying it. And this is what happened to a lot of these people who ended up giving the books to the bookstore and I managed to read them myself. Um, it's a really common problem, though. I've seen it a lot of times. You buy a book, you're thinking, I'm going to read this book, and when I finished it, I'll know much more English. And you start reading it, you start making notes on new words and phrases. It's exciting. You're learning English, and you're reading a proper English book. Then, after a week, you start losing your love for reading. It's hard work. It's boring. It feels unnatural. So, yeah, you quit, and you sell it to the secondhand bookseller. And then I buy it and I read it. And maybe a few months later, you buy another book again, only to give up again after a few chapters. So you sell that one too. Then I buy it and I read it. Thank you very much for all those books. They saw me through some very difficult times in Turkey. But this is no good for your English, is it? Um, it feels like you can't read an English book and that's very, very demotivating. But I think the problem here is that you're choosing the wrong book. And I think there are a few reasons why you give up on reading a book in English. One, you've chosen a book that's just too difficult. Two, you've chosen a book that's not very interesting to you. Three, you're a strong visual learner and you just don't like reading very much, even in your own language, in your first language. And four, you either don't have enough time to get, like, to get into the book. You're busy. You, you, you can't just sort of get into the story. Um, or maybe you just simply have a short attention span, which is fine. Lots of us do. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, books. So how do we solve these different problems? Well, the best way, obviously, is choosing the right book. <laughs> like, we want to do that. Um, I'm going to recommend two books for each of these problems. Okay, so the first problem was you've chosen a book that's too difficult, right? And the solution to that is the comfortably simple books. You want to read stuff that's easy. And this is good. This is related to the extensive reading we were talking about earlier. Um, and this is probably the most common reason why we give up on reading books um, the solution is easy. Find an easier book. But for a lot of learners, the natural choice here would be what is called a graded reader. Um, those are these sort you've seen these before. If you've gone, if you've ever studied in an English, like an English language school, um, it's those books that are designed for English learners. You know, it's like uh, a Charles Dickens story, but the language has been very, very simplified. Um, and it's shorter and it's easier to read. And they often also contain like vocabulary explanations and stuff like that. I don't strongly recommend these books. Um, I mean, I think if you've got them or if you want to read them, then do it like for sure, because every reading anything is going to help. Um, it's always good practice. Um, but uh, I want to also recommend some non-graded stuff today. Because graded readers, you, you just go and find graded readers and they're all uh, quite easy. But there's some great books out there that haven't been simplified that I think most listeners of this podcast, if not all of you, would be able to read with 
less issue than the books that I bought in the secondhand bookstore in Istanbul. Uh, so the first of these, the first of the simple books is The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. Good title, right? Let me say it again, just because it's so fun to say. The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. Uh, this is a very popular choice for English learners. Not only is the language in this book easy to read, but the story is very interesting and thought-provoking. It makes you think about things. Uh, and this means you're much less likely to give up. Uh, the story, the book, is told from the point of view of a teenage boy with Asperger's syndrome. Uh, it's a condition that means that you see the world in a very different way. The language is very simple and direct, and it's fascinating to get into the mind of this main character who has Asperger's and sees the world very differently. Uh, great fun, good book, interesting title, interesting read. Uh, the other of the easier books I want to recommend is, well, another classic, a famous one called Animal Farm. You've heard of it. You've probably even used it in English classes. This is a cliche, but um, it's a cliche for a reason. Uh, it's by George Orwell. And you know what? I'd recommend basically anything by George Orwell. He writes great stories and he writes very, very simply and very directly. Um, I've chosen Animal Farm out of all of his books just because all the characters are different animals. And this makes it especially easy to follow and see the events of the story happening in your head. But yeah, any George Orwell is a good choice. Um, that's because Orwell, along with Ernest Hemingway, is the king of simple writing. Uh, to give you an idea about how much he valued simplicity, here are some of his famous rules of writing. So yeah, um, Ernest Hemingway, not Ernest Hemingway, George Orwell, wrote um, five rules for writing and as you'll see, they're very much directed towards being simple and direct and easy to understand. Uh, here they are. Never use a long word where a short one will do. If it's possible to cut a word out, always cut it out. Never use the passive where you can use the active. Never use a foreign phrase, a scientific word or a jargon if you can think of an English, everyday English equivalent. And finally, and this is my favourite, break any of these rules sooner than anything outright barbarous. Uh, barbarous means sort of uncivilised, like unsophisticated. So yeah, he's basically saying simplify the language. So yeah, read anything by George Orwell, you'll find a man who loves writing simply. Okay, let's move on to problem two. If you remember, problem two was cho that you've chosen a book that isn't very interesting to you. So how to solve that? Well, obviously the answer must be to find something interesting, right? And that is correct. That is the correct answer. You want the page turners. Um, so yeah, there were some pretty strange people out there. I've, I've, I'm almost 40. I've met a lot of people. I, I teach for a living. So I, I've met thousands of people who I've kind of got to know uh, who are learning, learning English. And um, I've met a lot of people who seem to believe that you have to sort of suffer if you want to learn. 
they have this attitude that oh, if it's not difficult it isn't working um which just isn't true if you if you have that attitude you're going to make your life very difficult um absolute nonsense in fact i just say it's the complete opposite if you're enjoying yourself you're going to learn quicker that's why i never understand it when i see english learners picking up a charles dickens book as their first english book i'm laughing because seriously dickens the first book you're reading in english i mean again don't get me wrong dickens is awesome my dad wrote a book on dickens dickens is the best uh, it's challenging at times even for me that's the problem it's kind of a bit difficult the main re- reason isn't so much the language although his language is not like george orwell's it's not simple it's very flowery but also and this is really important it's because he's writing about people who existed over 100 years ago people without smartphones or laptops people who only traveled about 50 miles for their big holiday if they got one or people who yeah never had holidays people who didn't read blog posts or go to cafes people whose hairstyles and clothes probably meant that they spent at least 5 hours a day getting ready to leave the house people who don't know who Justin Bieber is or Guns and Roses or you know even Jimi Hendrix which is just ridiculous um in short basically people very different from us we don't relate to these characters when you're reading about people completely different from you you have to make a little extra effort to try to get into their heads um finally also charles dickens it, he was writing 150 years ago this is a different english <laughs> english has changed since then okay i'm talking about dickens a lot um he's awesome but don't make it your first book or even in your first 20 books to read in english unless you're feeling really confident or unless you're a dickens geek um why put yourself through the pain you want stuff that takes little effort right books that make you want to keep reading and keep turning the page and that's why i'm recommending these page turners okay so the first page turner is the da vinci code or anything by dan, dan brown um I have a strange relationship with Dan Brown books. The intellectual inside me kind of looks down on them. They're trash. They're unintellectual. Um but then, you know, <laughs> I start reading one and within a few pages I can't stop reading. I can't put the book down. I just have to find out what happens next. That's why Dan Brown has sold over 200 million copies of his books and has made 178 million dollars according to Google. That's basically the same GDP of the Marshall Islands. This guy is as rich as an entire country. Um and it's because he writes books that are so exciting, interesting and real that you just can't put them down even though they're really really trashy. But yeah, uh if you feel if you don't have any uh what's the word if you're if if you're if you're not if you don't have issues like i do about being intellectual then they're fine go ahead read a dan brown um i mean i did and i did enjoy them secretly but i did enjoy them another very very successful writer is jk rowling and the harry potter series are very 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 interesting apparently now i'm not a big fan of the harry potter series and i'm definitely not a big fan of jk rowling i'm more of a lord of the rings guy but the first book i read in a foreign language without using a dictionary 
was the first Harry Potter book in Turkish. So for this one, this is me speaking directly from experience. I didn't understand everything. In fact, in some places, I could only understand about 40%. But I kept going, and I realized that you don't need to understand all that much to be able to enjoy this story. It's a very simple story. It's written very simply. Um, And despite the fact I didn't really like Harry Potter stuff, I really enjoyed reading this in Turkish. Perhaps I only enjoy Harry Potter in Turkish and not English. Who knows? But um, the first Harry Potter book is very, very approachable in a second language. Okay, let's move on to the next problem. Problem number three. Okay, so maybe you don't like reading very much, even in your first language. That's fine. Uh, Or maybe you're just more of a visual kind of person and you prefer like graphic novels or comics and stuff like that. So, read some graphic novels and read some comics, huh? That's the solution. Uh, We've got comics for big people. So, yeah, I think, again, I want to talk about my personal experience when I was learning Turkish. And this is happening now as I'm learning uh, Bulgarian. I think the most progress with my vocabulary and grammar uh, was through a Belgian journalist called Tintin and a prehistoric French guy called Asterix. I've always enjoyed reading the Tintin books in my first language, of course, uh, which is, um, what is it? Oh, it's English, isn't it? Yeah, just in case you were wondering. These books are great for three main reasons. Tintin and Asterix, here's why they're so good. First of all, they're visual. This is so valuable when you're reading in your second language because you can see what's going on and as a result, you can focus on the language more instead of trying to kind of create a picture in your head. Uh, They're also conversational. Most of the uh, the language is based around conversations. So this is a really good way of getting sort of access to more conversational English. Novels and books and things like that usually are in a different sort of um, a different sort of style. You know, you, you write differently, but these are all like conversational conversational English, which is very useful. Finally. Tintin and Asterix, although they're okay for kids, they are also designed for adults too. Um, This means that a lot of the jokes and the themes will actually be interesting to you. Um, Asterix especially, there's a lot of uh, history jokes in Asterix. Strongly recommended. So yeah, let's meet these great guys if you haven't met them in your first language. So I'm going to recommend a Tintin, and the Tintin I recommend is my favourite one. It's called Red Rackham's Treasure. But again, any Tintin will work. Uh, Some Tintin books are full of action, like this one, and some are actually a bit more like a normal book with lots of long paragraphs. I wouldn't recommend uh, The Secret of the Unicorn or Flight 714. At least don't read those ones first. Um, There also have been a few worrying, problematic issues in the Tintin series. Um, The first book, Tintin in the Land of the Soviets was clearly just pro-Soviet propaganda. I mean, this was happening uh, in the early days of the the USSR. And the second book, Tintin in the Congo, was flat out unacceptably racist, like awful, terrible. But as time went on, it seems that the writer, Herge, changed and began accepting a more diverse view of the world. 
In fact, uh, Tintin in the Land of the Red Sea Sharks is actually a, a strong anti-slavery book. Politics aside, these books are highly enjoyable with exciting stories, beautiful pictures and, and some pretty good jokes also. And if you know me well, you know I like a good joke. Um, yeah. And the asterisks I want to recommend, again, pretty much any asterisks will work. But again, I want to talk from my point of view and, and the first one I ever read when I was a kid and one of my favourites is Asterix at the Olympic Games. Um, again, Asterix was written for both children and adults. It's very easy to relate to the different characters in the book and the stories are always highly creative. Um, yeah, the Olympic Games was the first one I read as a kid. I was pretty young. It was quite challenging. I was very young, but um, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, in the story, Asterix and Obelix compete in the Olympic Games, and although it takes place over 2,000 years ago, there are a lot of modern themes. The most obvious one is the theme of performance-enhancing drugs like steroids in sports, which is something that actually turns up in this book. Um, even with serious themes like that, the story is light and fun. The best thing, you'll want to understand it all, and you will want to finish it all. And the best thing about Asterix, every single book ends with a big celebratory feast, eating and drinking and laughing. And who doesn't like that? Okay, let's move on to the last problem. Problem number four. Uh, you don't have enough time to get into a book or you have a short concentration span. And how to solve that? That's actually a bit more difficult, isn't it? If you think about it, like, you don't have time, you can't think for long. Well, we have what I call bathroom books. Um, why bathroom book? Well, this is actually a common thing. Uh, go ahead, Google it. Bathroom book, you'll, you'll see. Uh, bathroom books um, are books that some people, like me, like to put in the bathroom so that when people are taking a bath or using the toilet, they can have a quick read at the same time. Uh, these books are usually full of short bits of information because, you know, no one takes a bath long enough to read a full book, except for me, actually. Yeah, when I go back to my parents' house, they have a fantastic bath. Oh, that bathroom's lovely. I, I spend all day in there. It's great. These books, you can pick them up, read from any part of the book, read it for a few minutes, just put it down again. Next time you're, when you're back there, again, pick it up, random page, start reading, put it down, doesn't matter very very flexible these are perfect for people who only have a few minutes at a time to read and for people with a short concentration span and the first of these that i want to recommend is the secret diary of adrian mole aged 13 and three quarters yes that's right another long titled book the secret diary of adrian mole aged 13 and three quarters by sue townsend this is especially useful as well, if you're interested in English culture or, you know, what life is like or was like in England. Um, but it's still a good read, even if you don't ever want to go to England in your life. Uh, as you can guess from the title, this is the fictional diary of a teenager growing up in working class in a working class household in the middle of England, an ordinary boy with an ordinary life. Uh, although it's a teenage diary, this book is not aimed at teenagers and it's kind of funny and enjoyable for everyone, really. 
the book is the first in a long series uh, which starts in the 1980s. So this is this is uh, all taking place in the in the 1980s in Leicester in England. Uh, if you'd like something a bit more up to date, you can read Adrian's diaries as an adult. Uh, you've got Adrian Mole, the Cappuccino years when he's around 30 years old and working as a chef in London. And I love the title, Adrian Mole, the prostate years. I think the title explains that one quite well. Uh, it's very easy to read because it's in diary form. Most days are only a couple of paragraphs long, meaning that you can read a whole day in a, a minute. Uh, if you have problems with one, it doesn't matter. You just move on to the next. Remember, you should be reading for enjoyment. So what better way to enjoy reading than reading a teenager's diary? That's what I say. Um, finally, the last recommendation I want to make is uh, the book of general ignorance. Yeah. So what's the book about? Well, let me ask you some questions first. What if I told you that the tallest mountain in the world wasn't Mount Everest and that the sky in ancient Greece wasn't blue and that we have more than five senses. Okay, this book is probably the most interesting one in today's post. You read it and you learn how much you've got wrong about the world. Each fact only consists of like a few paragraphs this means that it's very easy to read and you don't have to concentrate for a long time. It's also incredibly interesting and, as a bonus, you'll be able to impress your friends with the fascinating facts that you learn. To recap, yeah, you've got the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime. Uh, very simple and easy to read. You've got Animal Farm. Very simple and easy to read. You've also got The Da Vinci Code or any Dan Brown book. Very difficult to put down. The first Harry Potter, or probably any of the any of the Harry Potter books, difficult to put down. Uh, Tintin, Red Rackham's Treasure, or any of the Tintin books, visual, easy, conversational. Asterix at the Olympic Games, or any Asterix book, easy, visual, conversational. Um, the Secret Diary of Adrian Mole, aged thirteen and three quarters good for those with a short attention span and the book of general ignorance also good for those with a short attention span yeah and that's it um good luck with any of those books if you have any other ideas and any books that have helped you um re like that have helped you improve your english um and that you found very useful especially in in terms of uh you know things that are are too difficult or things that are not interesting enough and, and that sort of thing send me an email and tell me and i'll share it with everyone next next uh next lesson <laughs> next podcast episode um and anyone who suggests like i said at the beginning of the episode anyone who comes up with an excellent book um for learning english and an excellent reason that helped them learn english the best answer will get a free copy of my book 102 little drawings that will help you remember english rules forever so yeah why not save yourself ten dollars ten american dollars and um yeah send me an email with a book that has really helped you learn english and why this book was so good to help you learn english and if your answer is the best i will send you a copy of that book 
Meanwhile, thanks a lot for listening. Um, yeah, just continue being awesome and uh, great to have you here. <laughs> um, what other sign-offs can I think of? Have a wonderful day. May the sun shine on you for the rest of the year. And yeah, talk soon. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.